Hi everybody, welcome to the Preferred Shore at Home podcast. I'm in my guest house today with all this fitness equipment because I'm joined by my pal Adam Zuko and we are speaking about ways to stay in shape while staying at home. Adam is an endurance coach, an entrepreneur, and nine-time Hawaii Ironman finisher who's coached over 50 people to finish the Ironman as well. He coaches everyone from beginners to Olympians through his company, Superfly Coaching, and today we talk about ways to condition your brain for mental toughness in this challenging time. We also talk about the parallels between world-class athletes and entrepreneurs and how to stay fit while we stay at home. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my pal, Adam Zuko. Welcome to the Preferred Shore Podcast. Here's your host, Robert Milligan. So Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on our podcast. No, thank you for, uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be a part of what you guys have going over there. Well, thanks, Adam. And I thought this would be a particularly uh, beneficial conversation. One thing I love to do with this podcast is to try to find um, disciplines that cross over a bit. And of course, you as a world-class coach, triathlete, Ironman finisher, how many, how many Ironmans have you completed? You know what? That's a good question. And I honestly, I don't know, but I've been to the one that people see on TV nine times myself, uh, the Ironman okay. Hawaii, the world championships. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's so far from the the realm of anything that I've ever even attempted or aspired to do personally. But but I thought this would You're be smart. a great... <laughs> <laughs> you have I mean, looks. You have looks and other talents, so you don't have to run for it. <laughs> I do have some other virtues. Thank you. Um, but, but, you know, um, there's got to be some similarities. And, of course, this is um, a challenging time that we're all facing in our own unique right. ways. And so I, I, I'm sure that there's some crossover in the disciplines on specifically how you train your brain to have endurance and mental toughness. And, and I'm sure that there's some relatable points that also translate into, you know, helping us learn how to deal with a 30 day shutdown, helping us learn how to run a business in the middle of a very strange environment. So, um, so I mean, if, if you don't mind first to just elaborate a bit more on your background and some of the, the crazy races and training sure. and the sorts of people that you've coached and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm happy to kind of kind of work backwards, I guess, because some of the stuff I was going to talk about was going to start with the beginning on how I got started, because definitely I didn't start this way. But uh, I've coached uh, Ben Canute. He went to the Olympics in uh, 2016. Um, from that squad that I was uh, the head coach of that we started, we had several Olympic hopefuls come out of that one squad. We also had the six-time national champions for girls and boys juniors, as well as the teams. Um, I own Superfly Coaching, which um, is an endurance coaching group that helps triathletes and runners and cyclists around the world. So I have clients in Beijing. I have clients in Melbourne. I have clients in Bahrain, all over Europe, all over the United States. And I'm able to deal with them virtually. So this new virtual setting that a lot of people are dealing with, I'm, I'm quite comfortable with it. But it's exciting because the world's coming to a smaller place um, where we're getting to know each other better and interact with each other more. But I definitely didn't start there. Um, I definitely, when I started and to kind of give a little precipices, I used to weigh 246 pounds. Um, I'd never, I, when I joined the Marines, I could not finish the mile and a half uh, to yeah. join the Marines. I couldn't do three pull-ups. And, uh, and so that's where I started from. And one of the things that I think makes me a really good coach is that I'm able to meet people on their journey wherever they're at, you know? And so to me, I don't really get impressed with, times that people do or placements I get in, I get impressed personally with just passion and wanting to improve 
and trying to essentially, I know it sounds cliche, but just kind of beat yesterday. And, you know, as long as somebody is interested, my only criteria for people I coach is I don't want to care more than you care, you know, and if, and if, and if you care and you're really, and you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do the work, I'm all about that, you know, because we, we've all, where we're new at. And in fact, I even teach my coaches to always be a student. So continue to learn things that make you vulnerable. So you remember what it's like to be a beginner too. Because mm-hmm. I do think that a lot of times we become an expert in our field and then we start taking for granted some of the stuff we know. And so we'll go talking to clients or athletes and we breeze past it without even making them intentionally feel intimidated, but they do, you know? And so sure. keeping that relatability, I think is really important. Yeah, totally agree. And, um, so, and I, I love that. I mean, so clearly you've, um, and I didn't immediately recollect all the details of your past story. So, you know, what was it maybe if you don't mind sharing, if it's okay, um, yeah. that, that's not an insignificant change to go from 243 pounds to what, what, right. what are you checking in at right now? How much? Uh, about 160. Yeah. So, so what, you know, what, what I, what I know that you're as, you know, you're equally fascinated with as much as I am is the mental components of performance, because I think this is a mind game as much as it is a physical game. Do, right. do you happen to recall what it was the, the moment of decision that caused you to, to take massive action and make a life change? Oh I almost want to hold up my notes because I have massive action as my first one right here. And uh, that's one of the things I get really excited about. And I almost want to jump out of my skin because triathlon is really exciting. But I think that a lot of triathletes are almost entrepreneurs at heart. And I see real estate agents or coaches or triathletes, they're all essentially wanting to be better. And they're wanting to go to their race might not be on the triathlon field, but it's somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so When you asked me that, you're exactly right. I remember laying. So when I joined the Marines, I was supposed to go to boot camp with my friends and you were supposed to be able to get a weight waiver. So you, you were supposed to be at a height weight situation and then you'd get a waiver and then they would spray paint your shirt to let everybody know, you know, you were a diet private. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go to boot camp and it's going to get me in shape. And I remember to this day eating that double quarter pounder with cheese going down and my recruiter calling me going like, Hey man, you're supposed to go to boot camp in three weeks and they're not going to give you a weight waiver. So at this point I was like 226, 216, something like that. And I had to be at 184. And he said, if you want to go with your friends, you got to be at 184 in three weeks. And so I did it. I lost that amount of weight so that I could go with my friends. But I think that while I won't share how I did that, because it probably wasn't healthy, right? And there's better (laughs) ways to do it now, but I don't think anything great has really ever been like, or let me rephrase this. Everybody's success can usually be tracked back to one period of time or one massive action that you decided to really, whether you're in sales, it was usually one big push that you got a big client, right? Or if you lost some weight, you can kind of push it back to like, okay, there was a decision that I made in my life and I made that decision. And so you can't just dabble in in dieting. You can't just dabble in real estate. You can't just dabble in making your calls. You know, at some point you have to make a commitment and really go for it. And I think that once you make that decision, it's that that's half the battle right there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think to qualify that you're a little more privy than average about what it takes to succeed as a realtor, um, your wife, Tanya, who we love, is a realtor <laughs> yeah. at our company. So, um, so if, if you're speaking about, you know, some of, some of the specifics of our business, that's, that's why you're, you're intimately familiar that's with right. some of, you know, observing the things that she does and goes through. So, uh, so that's fantastic. Yeah, so, you're exactly right. You know, and I used to in boot camp. I remember, I remember saying like, "Listen, I 
I would go to bed every night and tell myself like first I had to break it down and I'll get into this a little bit, but like I had to break it down into components. But I remember, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but I remember telling myself, I'm going to go to my head's going to, this is literally what I said. My head's going to hit the pillow tonight at the same time, no matter what, whether I gave up or whether I tried my best and finished the task. So when I lay down tonight, I'm going to have to tell myself one of two stories, why I gave up. And I knew that I could convince everyone that I had every reason to give up, except for that little back part of my brain that I knew that I gave up. Mm -hmm. Or I could go to bed at the same time, proud of myself that I at least did it my best. And so literally, I would just ask myself, what story do I want to be telling myself tonight? You know, and I would just remind myself of that. And I think that that's, that's really important when you think about things that, may, that might look hard or might look, um, you know, overwhelming. But at the same time, too, I think that sometimes when things are hard, instead of looking at it as it's hard, look at that as a barrier of entry for your competition. You know, if it was super easy to become an amazing real estate agent, then everybody would do it. But while it's hard and yeah, it's going to require some work like boot camp was hard. There's a, that that's, that's, it's a filter, right? So it allows you to kind of step ahead of everybody else. And instead of looking at it as an obstacle, look at it as like, I'm getting rid of at least that first level of competition. That's just going to pretend and water down and water down the waters, you know? And that's, that's one of those things that I learned in training. I remember in Chicago, it was terrible out. It was snowy, sleety. We would go down in the basement and we would ride our bikes and then we got up to go run off the bike. And it was just a 15 minute little run around the block to just practice running off the bike. And my friend was like, forget this. I don't want to do this. It's, 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 it's terrible outside. And I was like, Brian, I, I understand. And I was putting on my shoes and I was getting ready to leave. And he was like, you're going. And I just said, that's why I beat you. You know, and I was just going, I was just kind of joking, but he said he drove home the whole way going, man, he's right. That's, it. you know, it was that little 15 minute decision that I made to go out and just stick to the plan. And those little decisions start to really add up. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Um, you know, uh, uh, performance really over time is just the little incremental things that you yeah. do each day and the little habits that you implement. Um, I'd like to focus for a minute um, on the beginning portion of your career when you were primarily a, a world-class athlete. And then, you know, so if you could tell us a little bit about what was going on in your life at that time and, you know, the mindset and different, maybe, maybe some different tricks that, that you've used to stay tough whenever your body's breaking down. Um, does anything come to mind? Yeah, for sure. I can think back to when I'd gotten through boot camp and I decided that I never wanted to go back to being out of shape again. And I liked having goals and something that was measurable and uh, things that I could track because I liked that competitiveness. And, and I just liked having that accountability. And when I looked at where people were that I wanted to go and where I was, it was extremely overwhelming. It was really discouraging to think like, how am I going to go from here to there? And so I kind of define and I talked to my athletes about you have internal goals and then you have external goals. And so what we can't control is a lot of the external stuff. So if we can just put that aside for a second and I would break down my goals to what are the next one to three things that I can do to get myself better? Like what's the lowest hanging fruit with the things that have the biggest impact? Can I not sit down when I'm taking my swimsuit or my wetsuit off to get ready on my bike? Can I, you know, can I run 10 more steps when I last time I felt like quitting? And what I found was that not that I was going like three hours, let's call it for my, my, my Olympic distance races. I got down to about two hours. I took an hour off my time just focusing on those goals. And it was so interesting because 
I didn't even notice I was getting better until one day I kind of looked around and said, wow, I'm actually towards the top of the sport right now. Hmm. And then it, it became a different type of focus where now I was competing and I was reliant on someone else's mistakes or successes, not just my own. And, uh, but the biggest thing that I would say is define success in your mind, where you want to go and have multiple goals on how you're going to get there. And when I'm working with athletes, I never tell somebody they can't. A lot of athletes will come to me and say, I want to qualify for the world championships. And a lot of times you'll look and think this is impossible. We're never going to do it. But if you start thinking about, okay, what is it that it takes to be um, that type of athlete that qualifies for Kona? Then what does that athlete have to do, you know, the month before and whatever, and you can walk it back mm -hmm. and you can start to figure out where you are on that journey. And so what are the next things that you have to be doing today so that you can eventually get to that goal? Mm -hmm. Love that. And, you know, um, I'm probably going to screw this up because to me, when you, when you are speaking of goals and things that, that to me equates uh, to having a plan yeah. and, and I'll probably screw this, uh, screw this up, but I think it was a Mike Tyson quote that he said, everybody's got a great plan until I punch them in the face. Right. <laughs> so, no, you're, you're exactly right. You know, and like at the extreme end, it's like, I have a lot of notes here, so I keep browsing down to like make sure because I wanted to, I have a lot of ideas and I, but like at the extreme end, you can have these goals but you also don't want to get paralysis from analysis. And at some point, like, and I'll talk to Tanya about this, like at some point you have to take action, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go out there and you have to be willing to make mistakes and be willing to be humbled. And then I have, and like with triathlon now, if you can imagine with all the technology, they have watches that tell you what your heart rate variability is and how much power you're pushing on each pedal and what your heart rate is when you're running. And what ultimately, and this is what I tell my athletes too, is when you're riding on the Queen K, which is the highway out in Hawaii, it's in the middle of the lava field and it's 100 degrees and the wind blows 60 miles an hour and you're by yourself. It ultimately comes down to how you interpret how you feel and how you're going to kind of like self-motivate yourself to keep going forward. And mm -hmm. so, so you, you, you have to be able to, you have to be able to self-motivate and kind of drive forward through all of that. And, um, I think that that's super, that's, 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 that's really important. And so one of the things that I'll do, um, I kind of lost track of my thoughts. So <laughs> if you could tell, but, but, uh, I will sit down with my athletes and I will say, let's create like, uh, like your perfect fighter on Mike Tyson's punch out or something like that, you know? So I yeah, call yeah. it like your avatar, right? So like you say, I want to create an avatar of somebody who can do everything that I want to do. And so this person can run really well in the heat. This person, oh, we were talking about plants. This person can run really well in the heat. This person can, is good at doing hills. This person, and if, and if I had to sit down and be like, man, like Robert's my perfect avatar in real estate. Like he's great at making these calls. He's great at making, like making, you know, whatever that is, you come up with all those things that are objectionable and honest. Mm -hmm. And then this is where I think you need to surround yourself with good people too, because you need to get their honest input. You need to do some self-evaluation and not be critical. It's okay to say, I need to improve this and not be hard on yourself. And then mm -hmm. you want to have good people around you that say, Hey, this is what I've noticed are your strengths. This is what I've noticed are your weaknesses. And, you know, in a, in, with, you know, constructive criticism. And then in triathlon, what we do is we kind of say, what are your limiters? So in other words, like, what are the things that are keeping me from reaching my goals? Those are my limiters. And what I find a lot is that left to themselves, if you're out on your own coaching yourself or you're trying to run your business by yourself, you end up trying to focus on your strengths because you're comfortable there. And so you end up avoiding the things that are your true limitations because you're not as good at them. 
And so you end up never growing those weaknesses and you never become more of a complete athlete. And so what you end up having to do is you want to sit down and you wanted to say, okay, so I, when I had my breakthrough races and I had one year where I literally broke through an hour off my Ironman time, I came up with that avatar list. And if you look at my blog, going to the race, I was already happy with my race before I had done it because I created my list. I checked off everything on the list mm-hmm. and whether or not I got a flat tire or my stomach felt upset or whatever, the, pro- the process was the win for me. Like I, I did everything on my list. Did I forget something? Maybe. But if I did, I'll throw it back on the list next year and I'll go after it again. Sure. And, and so that's what I try to – so I try to have that plan, but then I also try to reiterate to my athletes, like, like I say right now, like we're going through this crisis, this shutdown right now, and it's hard for my industry because they're canceling races everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we have athletes that are, don't have any idea what they're training for and we're trying to keep them engaged. And so what I'll say is like, you know what world championship athletes are doing right now? Still acting like world championship athletes. You know, it's like, you know, it's like racing has gone for now, but it's not gone forever. And while the timeline might have changed, the goals haven't, you know, and so in being, in being able to like readjust that is so critical. And that's what I think successful people do. Sorry, yeah. I got long-winded. You got to. Yeah, no, 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 that I, I, I think that that was all brilliant stuff. And, um, and, and I'm curious, is there some kind of like a cheat code or hack whenever you, you personally were riding through, across the lava fields all yeah. by yourself and you're just like, I can't push the pedal another time. Is, is there some kind of hack that, that you've used mentally to keep pushing? What, what do you do in those moments? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I got it to the point where if you start looking at riding 112 miles, and I would average around 24 miles an hour, so that's pushing pretty hard for 112 miles an hour after you swam two and a half miles, and then you have to get off and run a marathon. Mm -hmm. So while you're out there, even as long as that day is, I would still break it down into 15-minute goals. And I would say, like, my goal is to concentrate on this 15 minutes. And I know that I'm monitoring different things. So I have some level of technology that I'm monitoring. Ultimately in this situation, it's about speed or velocity, right? Whether that's how many, am I hitting my sales quota or not? Like, or if I'm hitting this speed goal, that's ultimately what's measured, right? It doesn't matter how proud of myself I am if I don't perform, but I need to make sure that I'm keeping my systems in balance, my emotions, my breathing, my, you know, and I'm monitoring all those systems and I'm trying to every 15 minutes reset. So if I got ahead of it, I knew it, right? I'd get a little excited, but I would start zero at the next 15 minutes. And if I was behind, I wouldn't try to make it up. I would just say, okay, fine. I'm not going to go into this like in panic mode. I'm just going to reset here and do this. And what I find is that like, when I talk to my athletes about this, we're all going to deal with being scared. I'm sure you're scared right now. It's like, who's ever lived through something like this? I'm scared. I'm scared a little bit for my business. I'm nervous. I'm like, you know, and it's like, we're all allowed to feel that way. But I feel like people who excel, what you do with those feelings is the differentiator, right? And Mm -hmm. so, and that's one thing I tell myself and I tell my athletes too, is like, it's okay to have those feelings. We all do. So don't feel like if you're having them, there's something wrong with you. But now you have a choice how do we deal with it? How are we going to work the problem essentially, you know? And, yeah, and, yeah. and to reverse it, a lot of the triathletes are successful people and I'll tell them, I'll say, listen, racing a triathlon, it's just like, um, it's resource management at its core. I have so much energy. I have so much energy, you know, uh, mental motivation. I have so many calories on board. I can only like, how do you want to problem solve? Like you would at work if something's wrong, how, fix it. If so, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and so, so, so just breaking it down into those small micro goals, I think really helps. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, the old saying that inch by inch, it's the cinch, yard by yard, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly yeah. right, you know? Yeah, it's, um, the, the key is, is to figure out what to measure and what, what metrics. And so I, I really like that, that, you know, with the, si the length and, uh, you know, time and distance of, of that sort of an event, uh, a 15 minute goal is a very manageable, incremental uh, thing to aspire towards just performing, you know, your very best at that particular increment. Um, you know, and, and I have some ideas. I'd be curious if through your observations with Tanya, what would be some things that may apply to um, entrepreneurship or real estate that would be like a, a small measurable yeah. little goal like that? Uh, I mean, okay, I can go on and on about this, but I'll tell you like one of my passions now is helping coaches learn mm -hmm. how to run a coaching business because what happens is, and I would only guess that this happens in real estate too. I'm sure the playbook is they watch million dollar listing and then now I want to be a, a real estate agent, right? Right, but, right. But you know, but what I find is that people want to come in and they want to be a triathlon coach or they want to do um, all these things or they're really good at science. So they have something that they're good at, but going back to limiters, what triathlon coaches tend not to be is they tend not to be really good salespeople. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, you know, but mm -hmm. one of the things that I do is my business is I mentor coaches on how to go out and not coach athletes, but how to acquire athletes. Cause it's a totally different skill that you need. It doesn't really matter how good of a coach you are. If nobody's listening to you when you're talking. Right. Perfect. And so what I notice like with Tanya and what I, my observations are about real estate is that it's very similar to triathlon where there's, I feel like nothing in life is successful without some systems, right? Like everything that we look at has a system in place that has success. And I think that that's important, but I also think that you have to have authenticity and in order to build authenticity, you have to have a level of confidence, right? So usually the studying isn't, hard to come by. Like you can study the stats, you can study scripts, you can study, but to make them authentic, I think is something that you need to be able to put your own spin on. Mm -hmm. And so like, as I look right now, it would be curious to me and you guys probably are already doing this, but like, for example, teaching my coaches to ask better questions is something that's not only important as a coach, because when I sit down with an athlete, it's really important for me to let them know I'm not, I'm here for them, not the other way around, you know, and a lot of times athletes will feel like they're letting me down if they're not doing a workout or if they're getting behind in their schedule or if their kids kept them up and whatever, that they don't want to report that back to me because I'm going to be upset and nothing could be further from the truth. So being able to ask really good questions, I feel like does something that's one, it builds rapport. And two, I feel like if we think back to anybody that we bought anything from that we feel good about, it's usually from someone that we feel like understands us. You know, and I tell my coaches all the time, if you can describe a problem better than anyone else ever has, they're going to trust that you have a solution. And we all know what that feels like to have some noise that your car's making. And if you bring it into the shop and you start explaining it, if the mechanic ticks over and starts replying back to you exactly what you've heard, you're going to be like, perfect. This person can totally help me with my situation. Mm -hmm. And one of the, but the only way that you can build that rapport is if you ask really good questions. And so for me, like what I found was that I created a sales form because my coaches were great, but they weren't getting sales, right? So what we did was we created a form to help guide them through those questions. So they would come in and the form would be basic things like, okay, what have you been struggling with? How long have you been struggling with it? You know, what have you tried before in the past? Why hasn't that worked? And if we could wave a magic wand and put you in your dream solution, when would you want to be 
there because nobody signs up for the work. They only sign up for the result, right? Right, right. But now they have, we can reverse engineer. So it's like, okay, Robert, you said that um, you've been wanting to run a 5K, but you haven't been able to stick with a plan, you know, and I'm not, now I'm not concentrating on everything that I know, every script that I have. I'm concentrating on exactly what you've told me the problem is so that when I'm taking my information, I'm taking the knowledge that I have and I'm letting you know about knowledge that's important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, and I think that like I noticed, and I'm not going to throw Tanya under the bus here because she's amazing, but like we have a mutual friend that she was selling a house for. And this person had this God awful wall and, and her, it was just at mm-hmm. some point must've been attractive to her, but it just was off putting to, I think everybody else that came in the house, you know? Yeah. And so Tanya was like with the stats, you know, like here's this, here's this, there's this. And, and then finally I asked this person and I said, tell me about the wall. Like where did <laughs> how did this come? And she's like, well, I was going through a divorce and, um, you know, I I felt like I needed to make a statement that I'm my own woman and I did this thing and whatever, you know? And I'm like, do you still like it? And she's like, no, I hate it. I go, that's (laughs) interesting. I said, would you buy the house with that wall? She goes, no. And I said, so you'd like Tanya to sell the house to someone else with it? And she (laughs) said, you're right. And she changed it the next week, you know, but it was, it was asking the questions like, or maybe she was just feeling overwhelmed because she had just gone through a divorce. And, you know, so if you can get to the crux instead of just throwing stats, I think like something like that can, can be really helpful. Yeah. I couldn't agree more that the power of well-timed and and well-structured questions can't be overstated. Right. And another real estate example that I've trained our agents is that, you know, it's a tough one sometimes when you're meeting a new customer to ask them if they're going to be paying cash for the home or right. if they're going to be getting a mortgage. Because, you know, it's a little bit touchy, a little sensitive. And if you, if you ask it wrong, they may feel that, you know, like, well, why are you asking me if I, if I need a mortgage? Does, don't you think I have cash or vice right. versa? Why, why are you assuming I need a mortgage? Do you, do you think I'm broke or, you know, so it's right. one of those tricky things. So one, a question that I've encouraged our agents to use is, would you enjoy being connected with a great lender? And, Ooh, and that, way, that. that way you get the answer that you're seeking, but you're offering them a gift rather than... Yeah you know, them feeling like, like they're being qualified. So <laughs> I totally, I totally love that. And actually like, I have to admit, and like, I'm going a little off script right now, but I was thinking about preferred shore specifically because I don't know if you saw the Ted talk that Simon Sinek did talking about selling from the inside out. I, I have actually love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly, it goes back to that. Right. And so I won't reiterate cause you know it, but it's like, I feel like preferred shore is exactly what he was saying. And it's like, you guys are trying to disrupt the marketplace by offering really compelling place to work for the variety of reasons that you offer that so that you can assemble the best real estate agents that, you know, care about not only the house you're buying, but your experience, not only about the house, but as well as in the community and how that is going to play a role in your life. And Mm -hmm. so that to me is so much more interesting. And I think that like, those are the kinds of conversations that people want to do business with ongoing, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for recognizing that. That really means a lot to you. Everyone that I talk to that's affiliated with your company says the same thing, you know? And I think that, uh, that's the message that I think as a, as somebody who wants to buy a house would, I would love to do business with someone like that. And it's like, and actually, um, we are in a house that we love when we first moved down here and the house is great, but we came to Sarasota a little ignorant on how Sarasota played out and where, and so it really wasn't great for me for what I do for my triathlon stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a great location by real estate standards, but it wasn't perfect for my life. And so if my realtor had gotten to know me a little bit more and had been like, okay, like 
here's how it plays out. Here's where you can ride from here. You know, and I think that that's one of the things that your agents do. I wish we had moved here because now we're moving again um, because we understand how it plays out now. But that's so important when it comes down to um, where, you know, real estate is about everything that you do with your life. It's where your family lives. It's where, you know, your, your investments are. And I mean, I think yeah, that, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's, it's so critical. And I, I love that you guys do that. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, we've got the house for you now. We actually just listed one a few um, a few doors down from the Legacy Trail in Venice. So that oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so switching gears a, a touch. Um, I'd love to talk a bit more about your coaching, and this is something yeah. that I think would be um, personally beneficial for me to get your perspective on. I've coached a lot of realtors and mentored a lot of realtors over the years. And um, there's, there's two things, you know, I'm, I'm always seeking a way to convey a message so that there's a, an emotional moment where it's like the aha moment that, you know, like, like we first started out this conversation with, you know, what was that moment that caused you to take the massive action? So, so I'd love to talk about that, but I'd also love to talk about the fact that you coach new athletes, but you've also coached um, Olympic athletes. Right. And, you know, that I'm sure is a completely different um, you know, method of coaching. And, and I've done some similar things where I've obviously brought on some newer agents. And then I have some that are all, you know, some, some very high performing elite agents that, that still want to level up a little bit higher yet. And that's a completely different relationship and method of coaching. And I'd love to hear, um, you know, two questions. That was a, a big word salad, but one, is there a way that you help people get to that moment of decision? And then two, how do you train an Olympian differently than a, than a beginner? Well, working, let me work backwards because one of the things that we'll tell people is that, you know, we work with Olympians and we work with, and the psychology behind that is to get that last 1% out of people, as I, I can imagine, when you have somebody who's really performing at a high level to get them, that it's very difficult. There's like the, the minutia that you have to do, dive into and the amount of work to get that last 1% is incredibly hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but at the same time, and honestly, it makes me scratch my head. I'll have athletes come and they'll say, uh, I don't want to work with you because you have too much accomplishments and it's, and, it, and I don't think that's what it would be like in real estate, but I'm always like, when I seek out a doctor, I never wanted to be like, you know what, this is my first surgery. It's your first surgery. Let's go do this together. You know, it's like, I want, I want the best doctor to like take care of my problem possible, you know, but, mm -hmm. but a lot of times with athletes, they feel intimidated or they feel, um, you know, like they, they, they don't have a place with your time and attention. And yeah. I would assume, I know I'm right, that that's not how you feel about helping new realtors versus helping experienced realtors. Sure. And making sure that they know, no matter where they are on their journey, they can still help someone else behind them, you know, and, and, and take them through that process. So for me, when I sit down with an athlete, I, don't, I explain to them all the time, like, it takes me two or three weeks to get to know them. I need to know, and I try to figure out like what makes them tick. Some I can tease, some I can't tease, you know, some I can swear around, some I can't, you know, and I try to really dive into what motivates them and try to hold them accountable. And I don't have a, this is what I do because I try to dive in and figure out what's best for you. And just kind of like what I was telling you earlier, the problem is when they feel like when I write something that it has to be that way, I write something for the best case scenario, but as life changes, that's no longer the best case scenario. And so you have to report back to me. And so I have to then adjust. So, but at that, at the, at its core, it's the same. So like when I was helping Ben Canute qualify for the Olympics, I was still solving the same problems just with less 
room to go up or less, you know, or more consequent that I, that I solve with athletes that are just coming up on that journey. And it's, it's the same issues, just different numbers on the keyboard, to be honest. I wish I, I wish it was a bigger spectrum, but, uh, but everybody gets that same attention because if you were doing your first 5k, it would be as important to you probably as the Olympics were to, to Ben, you know? And so, uh, you know, and so, and so I don't lose sight of that. And that's one of the things too, I tell my coaches is if you ever forget you're messing with someone's life when you're writing a schedule, like walk away from the computer and come back and do it another time because mm-hmm. what you put on there is going to decide if they're going to argue with their spouse over the weekend because they're trying to get something in or if they feel guilty or whatever, you know? And so it's important to think that way. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. So, um, you know, now I guess whenever, is there, is there a particular method that comes to mind to whenever you see somebody drifting or losing interest, losing motivation that, that you are able to kind of bring them back on track? Is there anything that comes to mind? That's really personal. I mean, like not, not like I can't share it, but truly like some people like, you know, like Tanya, for example, we kind of teased her earlier, but she's somebody who rose to the top right away. She was a world champion water skier. Um, she set anything she sets her mind on, she's got that world championship stare, I call it, you know, where it's like, like her, I have to tell her what not to do, you know, and like, and she just looks like I'm going to kick your butt no matter what. And I'm going to eat your lunch if you don't get out of my way. And she does it and she will not, you know, then I have some athletes where it's like all the time I got to kind of like, come on, come on, come on. Um, mm-hmm. Some I'll remind them, you know, like, hey, what's Robert doing today? Because I saw that you didn't do your workouts. I wonder if he did his, you know, and then some totally the opposite side. Yeah, so, yeah. so really, uh, I started to duck the question, but it's just that's part <laughs> of what, what a good coach does, right? Is they get in and they kind of figure out what makes someone tick, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's definitely been the most challenging part of my side of the equation too is like you said you know sometimes we do as coaches or mentors uh, if you will we want more for for some of our students than they want for themselves and that's uh that's that's tricky is there um is there any way that once you've recognized that that somebody's just not not in it to win it anymore that you you kindly dismiss them or how do you how do you address people that aren't performing great question i've only fired a couple of athletes um I don't know how it is with how you mentor, but what gets really discouraging for me is like, I, 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 this one athlete comes to mind. He had migraines. He had uh, removed his spleen. So he was very susceptible to uh, infection that could, he could die from. He was extremely overweight because he was, you know, so um, anyway, so he comes to me and he wants to go under two hours for a half marathon because he'd never done that. And mm-hmm. so we go through all this training. He loses a bunch of weight and he went one hour and 48 minutes. So I mean, we, we smashed the time, but you always had something negative to report. Like, oh, I really in my mind wanted to go 145, you know? And it's just kind of like, one thing is if you want something, tell your coach what you want. It might not be something that we realistically think you can achieve in the short term. Maybe you will, but let's figure out what you need to be doing in order to get to that so that we can create these steps. The other thing that I started doing is I started asking questions like, okay, hey, listen, you wanted to, um, I have this happen all the time. I want to qualify for the world championships. At best, that's a nine hour race. If you're one of the top people in the world, wow. I have some athletes that don't want to train more than six hours a week. So instead of telling them you can't do that, I'll start saying, what do you think that you, what do you think you need to do in order to, you know, to do, do, okay. So how, you know, and you start and start guiding them through getting them to answer their own questions. And then uh, suddenly the answer starts becoming clear without you telling them that they, that they can't. Um, 
And then the other thing that I've started to do is I start to meet people eventually at their level of interest. So, um, so if they're not putting as much into it, then I kind of do what I need to do to kind of meet them at their level. If I have people who are super excited, then they do get more of my time. And I'm fair because my level of effort is open to everybody who takes advantage of it. But after a certain point, it's like some people, they just want to know that they have a good plan. It's kind of part of their life. It's not, and that's okay. So for me to get frustrated trying to make it more important to them than it is, they have other life balances, which is totally fine, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I coached somebody who is very wealthy and they would take these and his son and I, and they would take his son for like week long vacations in the summer. And they'd want to know why his kid wasn't qualifying for the Olympic team. And, you know, it was just like, cause the kids he's competing against aren't doing three weeks in the Seychelles. I'm, I'm not saying that's bad, <laughs> but sure can't come back and expect like this is what they're doing you know so ultimately you have to define going back to what how, and i always say like how do you define success i always ask my athletes that you know because and i because and i also tell my athletes now that it's like it's good to always want to be ambitious but you have to recognize the wins along the way too yeah and when you're coming back with all these wins but you're only discouraged that you're not winning more as mentors it's also and i'll say like how would you feel if no matter how good of a job you did at your work your boss came back and was like well that was great but we wish you could have done a little bit more you're like yeah. we need to know we're helping too along the way you know and uh, to right, keep right. motivated as well you know and so uh, so yeah so more and more i'm at a place now that i don't deal with negativity if someone's yeah. negative i don't really want that in my life anymore um, i have a very short fuse for that but um but yeah in terms of like where people are on their own motivation levels i kind of start to meet them at a certain point where they're at yeah, well, I think everybody that's uh, watching or listening, depending on how they're um, participating in this media here today, if, if you go back and listen to, you know, maybe the last 10 or 15 minutes of conversation of how you deal with athletes, but you look at it through the lens of interchanging the word athlete for a real estate home seller or home buyer, it's almost, you know, completely interchangeable because, you know, each each real estate customer we have has completely different goals. And I love I love the question you asked, how do you define success? You know, right. some of our sellers need to sell like a split. Some of them are just casually testing the market, you know. So, right. um, so yeah, that's, that's all, all pure gold. Now, um, and, and, and I'll say this too real quick. Yeah. Is that keeping people engaged, whether it's an agent or a customer. Like I notice with my athletes, rarely when I analyze a race file, is it a gradual decline? They mm -hmm. usually go until all of a sudden there's a, they've, they've stopped. Their yeah. mind switched off, you know, and like finding ways to keep their mind engaged to include us as salespeople too, or as coaches, like we got to find ways to kind of stay engaged um, so that we don't, it's easy to give up, right? It goes back to going to bed at night. What do you want to do? You know, what do you want? How do you want to tell yourself? And I'll tell yeah. my athletes sometimes if you have a bad race, because I don't know about you guys with agents, but my athletes have sometimes the shortest memory ever. They can have the best workout on Wednesday, take Thursday off, have a bad workout on Friday and come to me and say, I can't remember the last time I had a good day, you know, even though it was just, <laughs> you know, but I'll yeah. tell them, like, you have until midnight to feel sorry for yourself, and then it's time to move on, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and let it go. Because they can't all be great days. They just, they just can't be, you know. Right. So you have to realize, like, that's going to be the ebbs and flows of it. And I usually take the opportunity during an up to remind them that lows are coming. Like, yeah. that, that is coming again. So just remember what this felt like so that the next low you can remember that you want to get back here, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's – um. Um, so many parallels in, in right. the world of athletics and entrepreneurial uh, pursuits, for sure. <laughs> awesome. so, um, 
one thing while we've got you and your wisdom here on, you know, we're in the very beginning stages still of unfortunately a 30 day lockdown. I mean, right. it is fortunate in terms of the necessity to, you know, get through all of this mess um, sooner. But, um, but, you know, I'd love some guidance. I know that there's a lot of people that are in our audience that would love your perspective on how do we stay fit and healthy and keep our brains in tip top yeah. shape and everything while we're, while we're stuck at home. <laughs> what are yeah. some, some suggestions that you have for us? What's hard right now, and listen, one is to know that it's okay to feel discouraged right now. And like we tease, and I know there's a lot of like, well, it's a uh, wine 30, but now it's like after you take your morning shower, you know? Um, and, and I get it. It's kind of like, here's an opportunity to, to maybe make a change that you weren't otherwise able to do. So maybe there was a new eating pattern that you want. Like I love to eat healthy at baseline because it makes me feel better, but I love to go out and have drinks with my friends. I like to go to restaurants. That's not even an option right now. So it's like, I'm going to be sitting at home tonight and I can literally either like Tanya will tease me because we'll have like a candy bar laying around. Yeah. And I never tell myself I can't have anything because that, that kind of sucks. Right. But mm -hmm. what I do tell myself, and here's a, here's one of the easiest tips that I'll give you break it in pieces and take a bite. And I literally have this conversation with myself where I'm eating the chocolate and I'll think I have it. I've tasted it. It's good. Now I can eat the rest of it and have this exact same sensation in 30 seconds, except for walk around the house feeling guilty that I just devoured the whole thing. Yeah. Or I can be like, Hey, cool. I just had some chocolate. Now I can walk away and maybe come back later and have some more. But like, again, it's like, it's not like I'm trying to fill up on chocolate. That's mm -hmm. not what my goal is. My goal is just like, wow, that tasted really good. I just had that experience. Either way, I'm going to have eaten the whole thing and feel bad and be left with the experience or I can not, you know? And I think that's one of the things that we do in general is like, we'll open a sleeve of cookies and we feel like, cause we eat one, we got to finish. <laughs> like you don't have to it's okay to like walk away and like and don't tell yourself like i can't the other thing that i would suggest because there's we could do a whole podcast on different diets out there but whatever diet you choose now's the time to try it right mm -hmm. and then the other thing is i'd say is if you want something bad cool start with something good and then whatever room you have left over go ahead and have whatever so like when i want to have cake or i want to have pie which i do all the time but mm -hmm. i eat i eat the staples first. So I eat my meat, I eat my vegetables. And then when I'm done with that, I eat dessert, but I'm not, eat, I'm not starting with the pie, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, and I find like, again, like you want to have that massive action. So if you've been wanting to get your life back in order and you've been wanting, like how awesome would it be to go back to the office? Like, look, we're in prison, right? You might as well have that prison body, right? When you go yeah. back to, you know, but like take this opportunity to set some goals for yourself and like pick a path for yourself and, and get in shape. And I feel like, and that's one of the things too we've been doing is going around to local businesses. And one of the things you can do as somebody who wants to be in shape is invite someone to do it with you. Mm -hmm. So talk to the clients that you've been servicing and saying like, hey, listen, one thing we all know is that being healthy helps you stay not sick. So how about if we pick a goal? Like let's go meet at the 5K in this fall and like it's three miles. Like we can all complete a 5K. They do it for cancer walks. They do it for like, you know, and like, come together as a community, connect with your, I say my athletes, connect with your clients in that way so that it keeps you connected with them. It keeps them in touch and they don't feel like they're always just hearing from you when they're selling, but also you're leading them. And so as a leader, you'll feel more accountable to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any specific exercises or movements or things that you recommend that don't require a whole lot of equipment in your yeah. house? 
Yeah. I challenge my athletes. I tell my athletes, here's one. I tell them you have 20 minutes and you can do a hundred of each thing and you can break it up however you want. So you can kind of have goals and maybe mm -hmm. it's not a hundred, but I say you have to do a hundred pushups, hundred sit-ups, hundred body weight squats and a hundred um, pull-ups. If you have a pull-up bar, if you don't have a pull-up bar, you could sub it out for something else. So mm -hmm. you might go 10, 10, 10, you know, or all 100, whatever, but you have 20 minutes to kind of finish that off. There's mm -hmm. also some amazing online Facebook people that are giving great daily workouts as well too. Um, one of the things that we're off, uh, we're not to deviate from your question, but, um, but I would start with that 20 minutes, pick four exercises that you do a hundred reps of any way you want. Like that, that's pretty solid and you're only into it for 20 minutes. Um, and then if it's something like we're offering free coaching for anybody that's lost their job or struggling any oh, wow. financial loss right now, you know, we want them to know like, Hey, the athletic community, it's about all of us. You know, like if you, this is the time when people probably need it most. So we aren't charging people that have lost any income or whatever. So there's, mm -hmm. there's no excuse to kind of make a change at this point. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. I think that's amazing. Well, well done. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Are there any, um, uh, particular resources or books or, you know, other podcasts or people that you follow that you gain some inspiration from that you would recommend? Oh man, there's, <laughs> there's a lot. Um, I like to listen to some of the Ted talks. Um, you know, I, I actually like to watch a lot of the Tony Robbins stuff um, mm -hmm. as well on uh, YouTube. Um, I'm trying, I'm drawing a total blank on the guy's name. I'll think of it before um, uh, we finish right now. But um, I would just, I would, you know, I, I would not overcomplicate it. I would just kind of, I, I like um, the books I'm about to read leaders eat last by uh, Simon Sinek. Um, the tipping point I think was something that was really good. One that was also really good was influence master, you know, and like how to use nonverbal, uh, nonverbal uh, arguments in order to, you know, influence conversations. There's so many things that it, it all kind of depends on what gets you going and uh, finding those you know, finding those motivational points that are going to help you. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, where should our audience um, follow you or learn more about your business? Um, what, what's your domain and are you on social media? Yeah, I have two, actually. Uh, one is just Adam Zugo on Facebook. Um, I should be doing more Instagram and all that other stuff. And honestly, I'm too busy because I run two businesses right now. One is Superfly Coaching. So you can go to superflycoaching.com. And then the other one that we're doing is uh, wavoto.com, which is W-A-V-O-T-O. And we have created a whole software business um, around helping entrepreneurs like us um, create their personal brands, do email marketing, um, Facebook, social media marketing as well. So, uh, so yeah, either of those places you can kind of grab me at. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I just want to thank our audience, if nothing else. Is there anything else that you wanted to speak of before we wrap up here, Adam? Or no, I just, uh, again, like, I, honestly, I'm not just saying this because we're on your, your show. I know that uh, Tanya is, the, she went to Hopkins, so she's very, she's brilliant uh, for surgery, and she's a research-aholic, and uh, she weighed out all her options and did all the research, and you guys were who she chose because you guys kept coming to the top. So um, awesome. it's been amazing to see the people that she's around, and I do think that you're like the people you surround yourself with. And I think that uh, you've done an amazing job. So kudos to you. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Well, um, thank you to our audience for joining us today. And thank you, Adam. We really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, 
I'm sure before before long it'll be uh, wine thirty somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to make sure we'll get in our reps and do all the important stuff first, and uh, and I'm, I'm sure soon enough we'll be th- through this thirty days, and hopefully everybody will be back to you know normal, safe, healthy rhythms again. And uh, I love it. Then <laughs> you'll get to have guests on your podcast that can show up and not just have Zoom. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> what an awesome time, right? I mean, like yeah. I always say, like. You know, when pe- we have all this technology, but you know, when people uh, adapt to it, mm-hmm. it's when they have to. Right, you know? right. And, and yeah. it's like the world's had to adapt to this now. I mean, you could be showing, I mean, Sarasota is such an amazing city that you could be doing virtual showings for now for mm-hmm. now that people are more comfortable with. I mean, what an amazing time to like learn how to perform this craft now, you know? You are exactly right. I yeah. uh, believe it was about 15 years ago, give or take, that I was shopping for um, for video conferencing in our conference room. I think it was a good $15,000 yeah. you know, um, you know, platform of gear and cameras right. and screens. And you know, to think now that Zoom has an introductory account that's literally for free with better capabilities than that system did. It's, it's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, but, uh, but I agree. Awesome. We do have a lot to be grateful for in this time. And this is something that I didn't do a whole lot of ordinarily, but I agree. It's really a great um, miracle of technology because I, I do feel, you know, like I, I would have preferred to be doing this in person, but I, I feel like we've been physically, you know, connected and, you know, having a great time of conversation. And uh, it, it's a, it's a true miracle. It's amazing. Well, I, I tell my athletes, like you talk about motivation and I say like, this is one of the things I've been telling them, like we're all in it in about a month going to be left with what we did with this time, you mm-hmm. know? And so like you can be looking at, we've all seen the history books where like, Oh man, that person was so look- lucky that they took advantage of lower prices or they've taken, you know, and it's like, we all have the same opportunity right now to be, uh, to, to do it. And, and you think people are working from home, but Netflix is jammed. So it's yeah. like, there's a lot of people that are being lazy right now that if you really want to get after it, you could really create some amazing opportunities and rise to the top out of this. I completely, completely agree. Yeah. I've been um, encouraging my 14-year-old son to take this time to do some extra reading and studying right. you ordinarily don't have the time to do. And right. um, he's taken me up on that for the most part. So (laughs) 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 yeah, well, anyway, again, thank you so much, Adam. Really good conversation and uh, we'll keep in touch. Stay safe. All right, buddy. Sounds good, man. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Take care.